Hello, and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. We are here. It is about to be the beginning of August. Wow. And who knew the summer is just breezing by. And to match a lighthearted, happy summer that we didn't get again, because monkeypox is now on the rise. We're it's, experiencing a heat wave. Oh, it's hot as hell. It's, I mean, there are multiple cases of this monkeypox crap in Philadelphia. That is scary. It is really disarming. And they're not even giving vaccinations to anybody who hasn't been exposed. Oh so that's kind of a weird thing. And I just... I don't know about you, but this to me seems a lot scarier than COVID even. Yeah. Like, I do not want those lesions all over my body. I know. Well, and I think it's kind of scary, too. Like you're saying, nobody's really, or at least they're not talking about it as much as COVID as they were with COVID. Like, why aren't we hearing more about this or like what to do about it? Or I don't know. Exactly. Like, there's no precautions. It just feels like the kind of thing that... It's going to happen if it happens, and you're sort of screwed. Well, can you imagine if you do get it? Like, I can't go out in public then covered in these. Oh, my God. Talk about a nightmare. And that's my thinking is, like, send us home again, please. please. Because I do not want to be on the bus with Monkey Pock Man. No. Walking down the street. No, please. No, thanks. Uh Uh-uh. I'm not here for it. Right? So that the summer is just taking a turn, Mm -hmm. people. I mean, not that it already wasn't going poorly. Hot monkey Summer. It is a hot monkey summer and ugh, brass monkey, that funky oh, monkey. Oh, that funky monkey. Yeah. <laughs> Today's topic, it's a little weird because we, it doesn't necessarily relate back to our usual theme of women's history or women related topics, but given last week's topic, we got a ton of interest on the topic and a lot of foot traffic on our podcast, a lot of listeners. And so we actually looked further into the North Korea situation and into how North Korea has treated Americans specifically more recently. And we came across a really Ooh. weird case. Yeah. And it's so strange. It's so creepy that we were like, you know what? It doesn't even matter that it's not technically related to our usual MO. It's so creepy. We have to explore yes. it. Yes. I, it was like, I, I didn't learn about it when it was going on, but I learned about it, you know, not long after. And it just was, I could not believe that this story was real. Like, it doesn't seem like yeah. it. And even the YouTube videos and stuff that we've watched about this topic seem incredibly put on. Like, yes. it's so dramatic and so... It could be a bad Lifetime movie. It like. really could. And it's it's very disturbing. Mm-hmm. So um, today's topic, you know, not to delay it any further, is Otto Warmbier. And for those of you who don't know who that is... Otto was an unfortunate study abroad student to the lovely land of North Korea. I mean, where do you want to do your study abroad? Gee, I don't know. War-torn North Korea. Sign me up. Right, where they hate Americans and have no communication with the outside world. Yeah. Really just not the best decision. When can I get there? Yeah, who made this choice for him? And who even... Why was there even the option to go I to North know. Korea? I'm shocked they even let Americans in. I know. I know. That is really surprising, truthfully. That that alone shocked me when seeing this story. Yeah, but uh, when you guys hear what happened to Otto, you're just going to flip because it is so 
scary. It but, is. Yeah, yeah. If you if you weren't planning to stay away from North Korea. You'll definitely be staying away now. Yeah, if our last episode didn't do the trick, this ought to, ought to tear it for yes, you. Yes, So our protagonist of this story, Otto Warmbier, was born on December 12th, 1994 in Cincinnati, Ohio. And growing up, he was always described as sociable, intelligent. He graduated high school in 2013, and he was the salutatorian of his class and he ended up going to the University of Virginia. So really a smart guy. Yeah. And a lot of promise, a bright future ahead of him. And Otto was a big traveler. He traveled a ton while at university. And he went to Cuba. He went to Ecuador. He went to Israel. And his junior year, 2016, he did a study abroad program in Hong Kong. And somewhere along the lines, he decided, hey. Ugh. I'm going to go during the new year to North Korea. And he booked this through the Young Pioneer Tours. And his tour was called the New Year's Party Tour. But sounds ooh, like a party. More like a Donner party. Oh, yeah, <laughs> very true. Not to allude back to a oh, previous episode, but like a party real. it was not. No, for it was poor not. Otto. Ugh. And this program was founded by two New Zealanders whose slogan was destinations your mother would rather you stayed away from isn't that fitting i signed me up that just pulls me in where i want to go me too and also like how did these parents again i know i said this two seconds ago but how did these parents allow this i know well it was saying that his dad you know they try to lull them into a feeling of comfort like oh it's fine for americans you know we've done this it's an official tour you know setup so obviously you feel more comfortable going with a company than just you know going old yeah an individual but like oh my god i i just don't know how people are side-eyeing this exactly and yeah who is overseeing this this just doesn't seem great but regardless of the slogan regardless of this creepy setup The advertising was that going on this voyage was very safe for Americans. And according to another student who took the tour, the program really prepared its participants on how they should act in North Korea. So they'd be totally acclimated before they went. And, you know, they wouldn't be in danger because the program was going to prepare them and they wouldn't walk into any minefields. So one example of what they would teach the participants is, hey, by uh, under no circumstances should you make fun of the Kims There are no photos that should be taken in certain areas because those aren't considered polite over there. Just certain cultural norms that wouldn't necessarily translate over. So they were said to prepare the kids. I guess this put the parents of Otto Warmbier at ease and he decided to head out. Yeah, it still wouldn't be enough for me, but... Not even close. (laughs) No, like... I don't know. Yeah, it just it was a little surprising and not to blame the parents in this at all. But it it was surprising that it there didn't seem to be any hesitation or pushback from his parents before he went, which I don't know. Just my parents would push all the way. Oh, my God. My parents would push me into a closet and lock me in there. So I couldn't go like (laughs) and I mean, why can't you just go to Paris like a normal kid? Oh, my God. Yeah. Or just 
just go straight to Hong Kong. No stopping on the way. Exactly. What is the point? Yeah, yeah. So he decided to go. And on December 29th, 2015, they flew from Beijing to North Korea. And this was the whole tour group that went together. There were about 10 of them, 10 U.S. citizens. 10 idiots. <laughs> no oh, my offense. God. No, but, that's, but how did they get Who are 10? these other 10? Exactly. Or these other nine? nine. How did you get this many kids interested yeah. in this Is there a program? waiting list for this? Like, oh, how popular is that? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how. I mean, they, they must have enough interest to actually be able to set up a, an organization like a, a company that does these tours. So. Yeah, to get 10 participants? That's well, pretty... and to have many tour groups that want right. to come. Like, oh, yeah. So it was a five-day tour right around New Year's. And during the tour, like you kind of expect with anything in North Korea, the group was always with North Korean minders. Another student had said that the minders kind of moved them very quickly from attraction to attraction. And I was wondering, again, after kind of seeing some other stuff on North Korea, was this maybe to kind of keep the tourists busy and distracted? So they thought, oh, we're seeing all these big flashy things and kind of overlook any of the weirder, yeah. lower key stuff. <laughs> less, less favorable stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yikes. So they were there and got to celebrate New Year's Eve in Pyongyang's Kim Il-sung Square, watching fireworks. I, I saw some video from it and it looked, I mean, this is what still kind of surprises me. It looked like an American or celebration. Like, yeah, just very normal. But it's creepy when you know how not normal the majority of that country is. Well, and it sounds like. There's just a lot of kind of sleight of hand being done here. Oh, and yeah. that, you know, look at the big flashy exciting thing so that you don't see some of this more creepy behavior or underpinnings that aren't so fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a theme that we'll see kind of throughout this whole thing when it's a little bit of the curtain is pulled back and you yeah. see like what this country is really about. But on New Year's Eve, everyone was drinking, having a good time. And according to some of the other tour participants, the tour guides were always drinking with them, you know, everywhere they went along their time there. And, you know, this is very concerning if you think about it being in any country, but especially in this country, these tour guides, you know, really need to be kind of aware of their surroundings and they're the ones familiar with the country. So they should be, you know, kind of making sure that the kids are following those rules that they set up and making sure that they're safe and that everybody gets to where they're supposed to and whatnot. And obviously it sounds like that wasn't really what was going on here. Yeah, that is very concerning. And you can imagine on any normal study abroad program, the tour guides or the folks in charge of keeping everybody in line are under no circumstances getting involved in partying. Right. They're not drinking substances that are going to put them in an altered state. They are concerned with the health and well-being of every kid on the trip. Yeah. Because these kids are your responsibility. And if you hurt an American while they're studying abroad in your country, it is going to come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. And in North Korea, too. It's not of even like you're in France or something, like you said. Like... You're in a scary, scary country, so. And it sounds like they were more concerned with giving, like, having fun with the kids and giving them the impression that all this fun stuff was happening and less concerned with their actual safety. Absolutely. I think you're totally right. So we go later into the New Year's Eve night, and the group returns to their hotel, which is Yangakto. 
International Hotel where some continued drinking alcohol. Kids were kind of winding down, but still sort of in that party mode from the big New Year's Eve celebration. And this hotel is specifically for tourists, and it's actually located on a small island in the city. And another tourist described his stay at the hotel saying that they were basically given full reign of the hotel, except they were told to stay off the fifth floor. And this is very important. The elevator even skipped the fifth floor when you were on it. It was only accessible by staircase. And based on a video from another tourist who snuck onto the fifth floor, here are some things that we know about this mysterious fifth floor. First of all, the fifth floor has a much shorter or lower ceiling than the other floor in the hotel. Which is so creepy. Which, yeah, terrifying. Like, okay, you have all these normal height ceilings on every other floor, and then you have this little squatty floor on the fifth floor. Then you also have walls that are completely mosaiced, covered in propaganda paintings. Yeah. Which is what we would expect to see in North Korea. Yeah. But still really creepy. Yeah. That there is basically a propaganda floor of this hotel. Right. Like, oh, don't go to the fifth floor because there's a bunch there's of anti-US weird... uh, yeah, posters up there. Like, oh my God. And according to Otto's trial, flashing forward, he snuck up to the staff-only floor in the hotel around 2 a.m. on New Year's Day and tried to steal a propaganda poster. Now, we have to make note of the fact that why are these posters I, even here? This is a hotel that's specifically for tourists. It's kind of isolated. Like, it's on its own little island, so it's just kind of, you know, self-contained. What What is the point of having these walls peppered with all these, pro- like, propaganda posters? I just... I don't it's get so it. Weird, and is it's it like, a trap? Like, that's, yeah, it you know? kind of feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Also, if you're dealing with a bunch of college students, I hate to say it, but if you tell them, "Hey, go to every floor except <laughs> right. that fifth right. floor," where do you think they're going to go first? Exactly. When they're all drunk on New Year's Eve, especially. Exactly. And not to mention, I mean. We're saying this, and we don't even know if Otto truly went to the fifth floor, right? Right. I w- so I will say this. I All the video that you can see from CCTV that I've found is like, it's a he's at a distance, and it's like the figure's all in black. You can't tell at all who it is. But then I saw this other video from his trial, and it's him in the hallway, and it's clearly him because it's up closer. Oh, okay. But I can't tell if it's from that floor or if it's like him elsewhere in the hotel huh so hard to know whether he did it or not yeah but regardless even if he did it's a poster it's a poster exactly and the we're talking a floor littered with posters right and you know he's rumored to have taken one so after this happened you know Nothing happened right away, at least not that next day. So he did pretty much finish out the rest of his stay there. The next day, the group took a helicopter tour of Pyongyang. They later visited the Great Monument, which is, you know, looking at North Korea, this is the area that you'll see a lot of the time. It has these giant, giant statues of the great leaders, as they call them over there. And there were some pictures of Otto there at that at that day he was throwing snowballs posing with locals he did not look concerned at all he did not look like somebody that was looking over his shoulder or worried about his actions or anything 
gosh, poor guy. Little did he know. I know. So it was January 2nd, 2016, when the arrest happened. And Otto was arrested at Pyongyang International Airport while he was awaiting his departure from North Korea. He was almost out. He was so close, which is what's so painful. And a member of the group, Otto's roommate on the voyage, who witnessed this, described the incident, and he said this. No words were spoken. Two guards just came over and simply tapped Otto on the shoulder and led him away. I just said, kind of quite nervously, well, that's the last we'll see of you. There's a great irony in those words. That was it. That was the last physical time I saw Otto ever. Otto didn't resist. He didn't look scared. He sort of half smiled. How creepy. Oh, my God. I really wonder what they said to him, too. Like... Well, they must have said something to put him at ease, yeah, right? Yeah, they had to But to have. also express, hey, you're coming with us. Don't try to resist. Well, and then again, the tour guides, what? Just like look over and are like, oh, okay. These these guards are taking one. him away. Oh, well. Exactly. Like, how did nobody get on this <sighs> and be like, we lost a kid? Right. It's ridiculous. It is. So the group's plane is about to leave the terminal at this point, And an official came on board and announced... Otto is very sick and has been taken to the hospital. creepy. So creepy. And the group leaves without him. Oh, my God. How heartbreaking. Like, A, he was almost out. B, they just, they lied. They completely lied. And they had just taken him away. I'm actually surprised the roommate didn't speak up, but he probably, who knows what he was thinking. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It seems like at first he didn't really think much of it. I still would have. Again, anything yeah, North completely. Korea. But then when you're getting on the plane and leaving without him and they're giving you this shady, he's sick. Like, yeah, like, come on. Oh, you. my God. Was I born yesterday. Yeah. Oh, God. It's just awful. It's so sad. Yeah. So for a little bit there, nobody really had info. The Young Pioneer Tours company said that they were You know, they made numerous attempts to try to get information about Otto, but for nearly three weeks, there was no word publicly, which is scary. Awful. Then we get to January 22nd, 2016, and there were a bunch of news clips in this one documentary I watched, and it just like news broke and everybody was talking about it. North Korea initially announced that Otto had been arrested for a hostile act against the state. And that was it. They didn't give any further details. And how scary is that? I mean, first of all, the kid allegedly took a poster down. I know. Like, come on. And yeah, maybe he went to an area he shouldn't have, but arrested for that? Right. And a hostile act against the state? The way they're talking, it sounds like he committed an act of terror. Uh, yeah, like like he tried to bomb the floor or something. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. So this is where things just get really Ooh. creepy. And yes. This is what we were watching that inspired us. Yeah, you gotta us. watch it. Like You really it, have to. It's unnerving. It's incredibly unnerving. It looks put on. It looks like something out of a horror movie, honestly. So Otto makes this statement on February 29th, 2016. So at this point, he has been detained for almost two months. Right. And because he was arrested on the 2nd of January, and here he is on February 29th. So, which I guess it was a leap year, huh? Anyway, he (laughs) gets brought into this large room. He's handcuffed like a criminal. Yeah. And escorted by two guards with his head down. 
and this is hard to watch. I mean, he looked oh. how a lot of these criminals in the stories that we usually tell should look. Yeah. Like, he yeah. had that look of guilt. Yes. And just doomsday all over his face. Yes. So he sits at a table in the front of the room in front of all these media personnel. And the room is full of yeah. North Korean media. And it's a big, like, it's It's, it's a big. whole conference room, like a big hall. And he begins to read this prepared statement. And in the statement, he says he attempted to steal a propaganda poster to take home. The poster said, let's arm ourselves strongly with Kim Jong-il's patriotism. Again, not seeing why this is so dangerous or bad and why it's a hostile act against the state, but okay. So damaging or stealing items with the name or image of a North Korean leader is considered a serious crime by the North Korean government. Well, probably something that should have been Yeah, was that included in their little Yeah, by the tour guides. Come on. It's never been confirmed if the confession was given under duress but we both thought it's just so obvious. I mean, the kid is in tears. His communication style is just rigid at best. Yeah. But he also is speaking in a way that seems as though the person who wrote his speech didn't speak English. Right. Exactly. And, like he uses terms that it seems really clear that they wrote this speech for him and they pushed him out oh, on yeah, stage and just said, say these words yeah. and nothing else or, you know, there's going to be hell to pay for this. Um, so former prisoners of North Korea have later recanted their confessions after their release, stating they were made under duress. So this just speaks to the fact that it's more than likely that poor Otto was given this statement to say and that they forced it out of him. Yeah, he had no other choice. Oh, yeah. So uh, other commentary about the press conference. It seemed super performative. He was probably instructed how to act, how to be respectful and whatnot. But it all seemed like a giant propaganda scheme to make the North Korean people feel validated in their feelings towards Americans. And like I just said, he walks in, he looks incredibly guilty, ashamed, hanging his head. It just, it all feels like this very performative ritual almost where he's being made to pay the price, quote unquote, for all Americans right. and for the hatred that that country feels towards us. Yeah, it, it's pretty incredible when you see it. Like anybody outside of North Korea, I feel like can see that it's acting like it's it's put on like he's obviously very emotional and it's a very difficult situation, but it's it's forced. It's something that was set up you know, a performance for him to do. And I think this is kind of another theme that goes through his whole story is being that kind of token propaganda. America is so bad. Look what they're doing. He feels so awful. He should feel so awful for He's stealing a, criminal. a poster. Yeah. Like. And as we said, the wording was just so off in his speech. It wasn't phrased like normal American jargon, which, of course, you wouldn't expect him to use slang or anything like that. No. It's a formal event. And he is at a press conference where he's being forced to perform in front of all these media outlets. But it's like misuse of terms and just kind of almost broken English, but not really. An example is he says, quote, I never should have allowed myself to be a lord by the United States administration to commit a crime in this country. 
just weird wording. And American people would obviously say the United States government if they're talking about our government. We wouldn't call it the United States administration. That's just wording that we would never use. Right. And some of his friends commented about watching this press release while they were back at home in the United States and just feeling all kinds of weird things. I mean, can you even imagine? Even if it was someone you like just knew in passing or like were acquaintances with watching them like it would just feel so surreal seeing them on tv and north korea giving this press conference especially when they're speaking in a language that's clearly not their own right yeah yeah and this crazy weird performance the claims kind of get even crazier and again i think this shows you obviously it's not something he put together In his confession, he stated that he had plotted to steal the poster at the behest of a Methodist church in his hometown and the Z Society, which is a secret society at the University of Virginia that he had wished to join. And on top of that, both of these organizations were said to be allied with the CIA. Like what? Yeah, you know, that Methodist church college society cia connection oh of course that well-known love triangle between college church and secret society (laughs) yeah so pretty insane um obviously the church and the z society denied these claims so the the new york times obviously like we're saying suggested that it was probably one of the north korean interrogators that put together this whole statement just again the phrasing is weird And just not how a typical American would speak. And on top of that, to make these crazy claims about the connection between these three completely unrelated entities. Like, okay, there's just no way these three things are connected. It's obvious that somebody who's not an American and isn't Otto Warmbier wrote this. Well, I do have to wonder, like, the Z Society, that's pretty specific. Like, I could see them pulling out the Methodist Church and the CIA just as, like, What are some American things? Yeah, that's a good point. But it is weird. Um, And then I also have to say, so Otto was Jewish and his parents were told to hide that fact because I guess this whole connection, like they didn't want to dispute this Methodist church connection by being like, well, wait, he's actually Jewish. Right. Because you don't want to make the North Korean government look stupid. Right. You know, so it, it was just a really crazy story. So his trial took place on March 16th, 2016. And of course, poor Otto's family was trying to do whatever they could to bring him home. And on the day of his trial, a few hours before it began, U.S. envoy Bill Richardson met in New York with two North Korean diplomats from the U.N. to press for his release. And of course, this didn't result in his release, unfortunately. He was tried and he was convicted in North Korea's Supreme Court on the charge of subversion under Article 60 of North Korea's criminal code, which is crazy. I mean, again, these charges sound so extreme. That is like what we would charge somebody with if they did an act of terror. Or like here, I'm trying to think of like a similar. Yeah, it still is way too insane. But like something that would get a lot of attention or be seen as really egregious would be like trying to steal the constitution or right. like great example you know, like a tourist tries to do that and smuggle it out of the country like, right try to steal the liberty bell right, like, right. okay nicholas cage <laughs> but yeah so the evidence portion of the trial lasted about an hour and it included his confession which i don't know how you can use that as 
yeah. any kind of evidence. And there was CCTV footage, fingerprint evidence, and witness testimony, which I'm sure all of the witnesses were other North Koreans. Oh, yeah, because all his witnesses went home. Exactly, and went on to live happy lives, I'm right. sure. So the CCTV footage, we talked about this for a second earlier, but it showed a man identified as Otto by his North Korean minder entering the staff-only area. And again, it's unclear whether it was Otto, and it's unclear in certain segments whether he was even on the forbidden floor. The footage is really poor quality. Again, you can't tell who the person is. The video is timestamped at 1.57 a.m., and it shows a figure literally all in black. You can't see anything, guys. And it shows the figure removing a poster from the wall and placing it on the floor. And in his confession, Otto said he abandoned the poster after he realized it would be too big to carry. Now, this is the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. Because if this was really the case... How would he have gotten it into his luggage? I would love to know. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you talking about? And also, uh, it's a poster. It's not like right. a national monument. No. Yeah, it, it doesn't. So many things don't add up here. No. A hotel staff member told the court that when he got off work, nothing was amiss. But when he returned, he thought someone had deliberately taken the poster down. So at that point, he mobilized security to prevent damage to the poster and alerted authorities. Now, isn't it crazy how many protective measures are in place to protect the poster's well-being? Well, and again, why are these posters here that they need all this guarding? Like, why are they in this hotel? I just don't get it. Right. That's meant for tourists in the first place. So the court held that Otto had committed a crime pursuant to the U.S. government's hostile policy toward North Korea in a bid to impair the unity of its people after entering it as a tourist. Huge, huge claims here. For a poster. Like, extreme, because he took a poster and put it on the floor. Yeah. They think that he was trying to disrupt the relationship between the United States and (laughs) North Korea. Like, what? Oh, well, he did have the backing of the Methodist Church and Z Society. Well, of course. Yeah, he he didn't act alone. (laughs) So, at this point, 21-year-old Otto, poor guy, kid on study abroad, gets sentenced to 15 years of hard labor. Now, we talked about this last week. You don't just go to prison when you're in trouble. You get subjected to a labor camp doing hard labor for your entire sentence. Yeah, it's scary. There's other documentaries that I couldn't even finish with survivors who – there's one guy who – went through and drew pictures of all the things that he witnessed and I I literally could not finish it because it was just so intense and scary and sad like stuff you just never expect humans to do to each other it just is awful oh what a disaster it's just it's so different from here because even our criminals have it so much better yeah and it's just so clear that this is a whole different world yeah it's a whole different ball game over there so otto's parents fred and cindy met with numerous obama administration officials including the secretary of state john Kerry, and with the swedish ambassador who served as kind of a go-between between the u.s and north korea now fred said kind of like we mentioned before that they had been advised to keep a low profile about Otto's situation, not to speak out about it. 
Um, but eventually they just kind of decided nothing's happening. So we are going to continue, you know, we're going to speak out and we're going to push for his release and we're going to try to get his release to be included in anything, any future negotiations between the U.S. and North Korea. Shockingly, on June 13th, 2017, the Secretary of State Rex Tillerson announced that North Korea had released Otto, which is crazy. Like, that's just all of a sudden. And um, this this line kind of got me like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They said they would continue discussing three other detained Americans in North Korea. I'm sorry. What? We what? Like, like uh, who are these people? Yeah. And you guys do this as like a routine thing. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. We haven't heard about. Oh, good. Glad we got him. Didn't know there were more. Yeah. Didn't know there was John Smith. One, two and three. Also detained. Also I want to make the point that he was released on June 13th, 2017. That's a full year and a half yeah. of detention. Yep. And probably torture. Yeah. Oh, so, just and awful. We'll talk about the state of Otto when he returned to America. And ugh, clearly it just sheds light on what must have happened to him during that year and a half. Yeah, it's a pretty terrible thing. Yeah. So subsequent media reports revealed that at a meeting in New York on June 6th, North Korean officials had advised U.S. State Department Special Representative Joseph Yun that Otto had contracted foodborne botulism shortly after his sentencing and had fallen into a coma after taking a sleeping pill. Oh, yeah. Now, again, like, let's just harken back to our last episode here. You guys might recall there were all these weird causes of death with the different Japanese people who got kidnapped by the North Korean government. And really crazy stuff like, oh, this person breathed in too many fumes yes. from a dying coal furnace. <laughs> right. Like, how the hell do you know that, first of all? Secondly, it sounds like you're trying to cover up something. Yeah. there's an old principle with lying where you leave out more information yes. than you keep in. And if you're trying to weave such a tight story, you end up just derailing your life. Yes, the the he who doth protest too much. Exa- it rings true here. It do- well, and but even with that, they can't even try to come up with a norm like nothing normal. No, there's nothing normal about this, and there's nothing normal about the fact that not only did he get foodborne botulism <laughs> right after his sentencing, right after. coincidentally. But on top of that, he also took a sleeping pill and fell into a coma. How do those two even connect? And how does a sleeping pill put you in a coma? Like, I just... Exactly. Like, what? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't think so. So after 17 months in detention, Otto, still in a comatose state, was medically evaluated from the Pyongyang Friendship Hospital, more like Pyongyang Enemy Hospital, (laughs) to Cincinnati. And he was taken to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, where doctors at this point tried to determine what the hell caused his coma and if there were any signs that he might recover. Yeah. And spoiler alert, it's not a good situation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you couldn't have guessed it. Yeah. You know how botulism goes. So his medical condition... The physicians at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center said that he was in a state of unresponsive wakefulness, commonly known as a persistent vegetative state. So sad. Oh, this is a 21-year-old, guys, in the Happy, prime of healthy. his life. Yeah. yeah. So he was able to breathe on his own and blink his eyes, but otherwise showed no signs of awareness of his environment, such as understanding language 
and he didn't initiate any purposeful movements. Horrible. Oh. So he's basically a vegetable and just looking terrible. Yeah. And from being a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed 21-year-old student who was full of life, full of good humor, to this. Oh, it's awful. Something happened in there. Yeah. And I don't think it was a sleeping pill. I don't think so either. So, so interestingly, though, the medical director who was a part of the team that brought Otto back to the U.S. said that he had received good care in Pyongyang. And at first I was like, oh, no, I don't believe this. But it, there were some other things that, you know, could be the case. And I think maybe could give a little bit of insight into what caused his situation. And it's not botulism or a sleeping pill. So medical records from North Korea show that Otto had been in this state since April 2016. So again, like we said, this is only one month after his conviction. When he was released, the North Koreans provided a disc containing two MRI brain scans that dated back to April and July 2016 and showed this damage to the brain at that time. And like, what a big coincidence it would truly be if he was convicted in March and then in April he slips into this vegetative state completely unprompted by any of his previous medical history because he was clean as a whistle. Right. It's pretty pretty tight timeline there, I'd say. Sure is. So according to his medical team, brain scans revealed that he had suffered extensive loss of brain tissue throughout his brain. And this was consistent with a cardiopulmonary event that caused the brain to be deprived of oxygen. So the doctor said they didn't know what caused the cardiac arrest, but it could have been triggered by a respiratory arrest. So a, a neurointensive care specialist at the hospital stated that there was no evidence indicating botulism. Surprise, surprise. Wow, 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 wow. But surprisingly, they also, the doctors did not find any evidence of physical abuse or torture. And the scans of Otto's neck and head were normal outside of the brain injury they added we didn't see any evidence of healing fractures or healed fractures that would have been within the time frame they also said we believe that for somebody who had been bedridden for more than a year that his body was in excellent condition that his skin was in excellent condition etc etc so yeah so and it it sounds like they're ruling out here that you know, blunt force trauma to right. his head. They're ruling out torture. They're ruling out anything that they could have done to him to injure his brain in this way. But by the same token, it's like there are other means for injury to the brain that don't involve blunt force trauma and that I would think would have, you know, different pathways that wouldn't necessarily show up the same way. Agreed. Although the one thing that I think I, I did read and I think could be true, though, also, given the timing, is that he tried to commit suicide, Ugh, I which too. I wouldn't like. He's just been convicted. It's again, you know, right after his conviction that this happens. And this would kind of explain everything. You know, your brain being deprived of oxygen, but not seeing any torture uh, indicators or anything like that. So I don't know. It's it's hard to say. And this was another perspective that I thought was interesting. You know, we're thinking here he's going to be treated terribly over there but he actually has a purpose and Mm -hmm. is a useful tool to north korea so we've seen with other you know american figures and even just by his whole you know display at the press conference 
that North Korea actually has an incentive to keep him alive and healthy so that they can use him for more of these propaganda situations and whatnot. Very true. Yeah, it really does behoove them to keep him looking very well, happy, healthy, because if he comes out looking like a vegetable, which is what happened, yeah. of course, all eyes are going to go straight to the North Korean government and everybody's going to think, what the hell did they do to this poor kid? Right. He was a happy, healthy guy and now he looks like death. Right. So speaking of death, <laughs> um, Otto unfortunately passed away on June 19th, 2017 at only 22 years of oh, age. That's crazy. And this is after his parents requested that his feeding tube be removed. He was kind of in a similar situation to Terry Schiavo. That's what I was just thinking, yeah. Ugh. And at the request of Otto's family, an autopsy was not performed, which is kind of crazy to me. I mean, uh, I understand yeah. they've been through such a trauma, and maybe they just didn't even want to disturb their peace anymore at that point. But, my gosh, I just know my family would, like, completely go to town with that and find out every piece of information they could if I ended up like this. So I have to interject some of my weird true crime knowledge, too, with this is – I think the parents could regret this later on and looking at this in the situation like the JonBenet Ramsey case. So um, the speculation was that she was stun-gunned to kind of subdue her and get her into the basement and whatnot. And to actually confirm this, her body needed to be, because all there were were pictures, her body needed to be exhumed, but it needed to be exhumed within a certain time period. I think it was shortly after she was buried. And her father, well, I guess her father and mother at the time, her parents decided, we just buried her. You know, this is just too much to handle to have to dig her body up and whatnot, which is totally understandable. Oh, totally. But um, today, John Ramsey said, you know, he wished he had done that because it it could have given even just some more, you know, clarification on what actually happened because they, you know, they lost that time frame and weren't able to confirm it. Yeah, that's what's so sad about these poor families that have to deal with a loss of someone is they're usually so overwhelmed. And we see this all the time where people refuse autopsies or they just don't go as far into things as they maybe would have hoped in the future that they had done. And it's a shame because in the moment, probably all you want is just some peace from the situation oh, yeah. and some space. Whereas in the future, you just wish that you had gotten that information while it was fresh and while the information could be gleaned. Because obviously with these issues, you have a very small window during which to get the information that you want. Exactly. Um, And then that window closes and that's an avenue that you can't exhaust anymore. Yeah. Yep. So... And in this case, the only examination that was performed post-mortem was external. And it was obviously in much less detail than a full autopsy would have been. And doctors speculated that the cause of death could have been a blood clot. It could have also been pneumonia, sepsis, or kidney failure. And they did opine as to the sleeping pill claim by the North Korean government and said that sleeping pills could have caused Otto to stop breathing if he had botulism and he was paralyzed from it. And the University of Cincinnati doctors found no evidence of botulism, as we said, but several neurologists said that botulism could not be ruled out given the length of time before Otto's return to the U.S. 
But yeah, it's just there's a lot of speculation about this botulism thing and there's kind of no confirmation that he did have botulism, right. but there's no confirmation that he didn't. And if he had had botulism, then this would have made more sense. But again, you can't really say that he had it. So it's just a weird speculative thing at this point. Yeah. And with the North Koreans history of weird and clearly untrue, you know, causes of death, like you're going to look at this with a questionable eye. Yeah. The aftermath of it all. So July 2017, the U.S. government announced that it would ban American tourists from visiting North Korea, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, definitely a good idea. Yeah. In April of 2018, Otto's parents sued the North Korean government in the United States Federal District Court in Washington, D.C. They accused North Korea of torture and his murder. Which, oof. Yeah. I would too. Hefty accusations, but also look what happened to him. I know. Also though, too, scary to sue North Korea. Right? Like how do Ooh. you ever do that without being scared for your own life? Yeah. Like, I don't know. You're hearing about all these kidnappings. Like these kidnappings still continue to this day. How do you know they haven't got a spy over here who's just looking Gonna to track you, you down? Next. Yeah. Exactly. So North Korea did not contest the case in court, but we did get a little bit more information about the coroner's postmortem examination on Otto. Um, This was something I I feel like maybe we should have dug into a little bit more, but I saw kind of mentioned several times was his teeth, the state of his teeth. Ugh, and this bums me out to no end. Yeah, it's, oh, God, yeah, not not good. So two of his private dentists testified that his postmortem dental x-rays indicated that some of his lower teeth were bent backwards when compared to his earlier dental records. And they stated that this is consistent with some sort of impact, Ugh, which yeah. is just not good. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. It also came out that a scar on his foot, previously described by the coroner as inexplicable, was held up by some expert witnesses as evidence that Otto may have been subjected to torture, such as electric shock. Yikes. Ugh. That I mean, this is the type of stuff, too, that you would hope they'd be looking for, because obviously, if they did want to torture somebody, they're not going to do it in a way that's going to leave a very discernible scar. Very true, yeah. So I'm glad that they looked this closely yeah. and said, you know what, let's go to the de- dental records. Let's look at this weird scar that wasn't there, because... Hell, they're not going to do anything that's going to be such an obvious impact. Yeah, and I think the dental records is like a smart one to look at. It wouldn't have been on the top of my mind. Oh, yeah. And talk about like a very easy way to figure out something's wrong if you're a dentist and you've been seeing this patient for years and all of a sudden there's this weird stuff with his teeth. Yeah, yeah. It definitely tells you something. So on December 24th, 2018... The judge handed down a default judgment ordering North Korea to pay $501 million in damages. <laughs> Doubt it happened. So typical and so sad here. So the court sent a copy of the judgment to the foreign ministry in Pyongyang. However, it was returned to the U.S. court that had sent it. Awful. Terrible. So in other words, nothing happened. No. And, uh, gosh, I really do wonder. I mean, we should look into it further and see if it ever got paid, this debt, or 
what ended up happening, I but I would it. bet it didn't. Yeah. So a question to our listeners. What is the state of this study abroad program? Can you still book a trip today to maybe not North Korea? Because I guess that law came into being after Otto's issues. But can you still go to these risky places that your quote unquote mother wouldn't want you going right. to? Like, what is the status of this New Zealander group. Yeah. And God, wouldn't you love to see their promotional videos? I bet those are interesting to look at. Mm, Yeah, I wouldn't want to read their Yelp reviews, though. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, And our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) 